Welcome to Dig It. This is the speaker. I'm only here with one of my lovely ladies today, the sharp edge. How you doing, Edge? Doing all right. Doing all right. Got a lot on my plate. Feeling a little stressed today, but I'm just going to take a deep breath. How are you doing? I, I feel that. We're going to try to relax today and get as much out as possible, as coherently as we can. Corey is not here with us. She's away this week. So it's just the two of us and um, a lot of shit going on in the world. A lot of things wrapping up again. But, hey, this is something we're used to. Out with the old, in with the new crisis. It's just becoming a thing now. Things just keep getting worse and worse and worse. Yep, out with the old crisis and with the new. I definitely think that's probably the headline for (laughs) today. (laughs) So today we're going to talk about Ukraine and Russia. I mean, we have to talk about this. This is the biggest thing going on the global scale at the moment. And there is so much little uh, bits around it that is going to affect all of us, that has affected all of us. I mean, the gate's been opened here. And... Where it's going to go, we do not know, but we're going to talk about that and we are going to talk about how it affects us in different ways and how to prepare ourselves in, in heaps of different avenues in our life. Because at this point in time, uh, we all, especially those that are aware, can see the things that are going on. We have to take steps to protect ourselves now because I think it's proven that no one's coming to help us. Right. But it's up to the people to help ourselves. And so, yeah, we should definitely spend some time talking about that. 100%. We're going to talk about the State of the Union shit show. Because, uh, well, I only watched a little bit of it, but um, there's some good memes that came out of it. It's the best I could get from it. And, you know, Biden repeating some of the stuff that Trump said before. You know, those things are good now. Uh, the People's Convoy updates and New Zealand protests. And we're going to talk about France lifting the VAX mandates after months and months of pushback. You know, just uh, now he decides to pull it. So we're going to get into that as well. But what should we get into first, Edge? Well, let's talk about Ukraine. So even though this, we admit and fully admit that this is entirely a distraction, this is all about creating another crisis in order to take advantage of that crisis and blame shift for, for uh, the Biden regimes and regimes around the world, their failures. This is a perfect scapegoat for them. So we fully admit that, but definitely there are things that we need to talk about and, uh, you know, such as the disinformation and misinformation, as well as, you know, how this is going to affect us and what's really going on. So, um, sorry, sorry, I cut you off, Edge. Keep coming. That's okay. So, the, for me, the first red flag about this war between Russia and Ukraine is the huge number of stories coming out that are fake. And well, so we should talk about that. Well, this is what happens in the fog of war, though. And they, like what you're seeing at the moment on Western media and Russian media. Don't believe any of it. it it's, it's just something at the moment that everything you see at the moment at this point in time is not real. And you have to use huge discernment. If they tell you they killed 3,000 people, really think for your head and think about, well, drop it down by half. Even like just you have to start doing that with these sort of things. You cannot take a stance of what any of these medias are saying. The West uh, and the Russian media, they're both spewing so much propaganda at the moment it's uh it's insane right i mean from the ghost of kiev story to the snake the island mm. yeah ghost of kiev story which was pushed by adam kenziger uh to name just one politician but many i'm sure snake island story as well which was amplified by many news outlets and politicians um the list goes on as far as the war propaganda that has been pushed by not only our media, but also um, politicians who are beating the war drums, corrupt politicians who are beating the war drums. This is the red flag, and I don't understand why people don't see this. Probably, I'm sure our listeners see this, but you just see so much support um, from the public 
uh, without any real critical thinking as to why so many of these uh, war propaganda stories that are perpetuated and amplified by the warmongers and our political elite establishment um, that are pushing it. You know, and then we have lots of old photographs, old footage, footage being mischaracterized as current and pushed by the same warmonger politicians. I mean, the propaganda on all sides is really clouding the reality of what's happening on the ground, isn't it? And that is what you just mentioned, the fog of war. It's uh, on, on the sites that I view, uh, Reddit being one of them, which is a very, very leftist platform. So a lot of stuff that I see is heavily, heavily biased towards that. But it's I go on there because it is good to see that side of things. I follow all side of things. And I want to know how it goes. Um, on there, the, the jack up for Liz. Lozinski, uh, Ukraine as general. Now, Ukraine are going through a lot, and those people are, you know, fighting their asses off. And it is good to see because there is the, a nationalistic stand there. Uh, these, I'm talking about the citizens, of course. They're really trying to fight back for their country and for their way of life. And But these are the victims in this war. So those are the people I think about when this happens. It's not the either. Uh, large side of these two, these two uh, forces, but right. It's uh, yeah, but on but, but on Reddit, what you're seeing is a lot of this pro-Ukraine stance, and you know that's foreign to a degree. But the way they're blowing it up is like the ghost of Kiev story, the Snake Island story. They all generate from these places first. And they get taken off, they go viral and they move. And just the amount of people that I see liking it, sharing it, linking it, following it, believing it, even when as soon as I saw it, I was like, mm, let me just wait a little bit. Right. I think that's, that's <laughs> definitely in this time, particularly, that is the, the way to go. Any story that comes out, just sit on it wait on it. Time will be the test of whether it's actually true or not. It will get vetted in the public. The truth will come out if it's a fake story, as many of these have. But the, I think that the whole purpose of this confusion, this war propaganda and everything, it's meant to stir up emotions. It's meant to get the population um, mm -hmm. uh, to feel this emotional drive and garner support for a war against Russia over Ukraine. Oh, 100%. 100% it is. Yeah. And so I think that for for me, I mean, I really just haven't, I've been reading a lot of it and watching a lot of it, but I haven't been perpetuating much of it. And that's because I want to sit back and watch before I perpetuate anything, knowing that much of this is going to get debunked. Um, in the end. So um, just that's my take on it. Um, mm. And, um, you know, here's the other red flag. When you see who is propagating these stories and this push for um, a stance um, in support of Ukraine. I mean, it's all the same players. It's it's Biden, Hillary, Soros, Obama. I mean, these are all the same people who contributed to the revolution in Ukraine in 2014 and installed Poroshenko, who, by the way, was awaiting trial just weeks ago for treason against Ukraine. And now he's just some freedom fighter in Ukraine and being touted on CNN. No, right. And, and no one that's, you know, followed these stories or anything would know that. They're like, oh, wow, former president, look at him. Right. Doing a great job. Right? But why should we listen to these these same people? Um, these very the, the the very same deep state operatives who created the mess in Ukraine back in 2014 and have been profiting from the illegal activity in that country for years. I mean, here I have Soros. This is a clip back in 2014 where he admits that it was his own open society foundation that helped with the color revolution that took place in 2014. Real quick, I'm going to play this just as a refresher, a reminder. 
Pleasure to have you on. Same here. First on Ukraine, one of the things that many people recognized about you was that you, during the revolutions of 1989, funded a lot of dissident activity, civil society groups in Eastern Europe, in Poland, the Czech Republic. Are you doing similar things in Ukraine? Well, I set up a foundation in Ukraine before Ukraine became independent of uh, Russia. Um, and the foundation has been uh, functioning ever since. And it played a, an important part in events now. Do you think Ukraine will be... That's nice. Right. And then so it's George Soros who's coming out. Um, just days ago about how we all need to stand in solidarity and support of Ukraine and everything when he has his own interests and his own corruption um, infrastructure embedded in Ukraine that he clearly wants to preserve. Why would we listen to these people? And same thing with uh, with John Kerry, Obama, Hillary. I mean, these people were very, very much involved. I mean, when 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 Biden, we all know about how Biden wanted that prosecutor fired, but that prosecutor wasn't just looking into Hunter Biden. He was also looking into Soros and his foundation. And we all know about the Biden, you know, you're not getting the billion dollars unless we fire the prosecutor, but it wasn't just Biden behind it. It was Kerry admitting that the entire Obama administration was behind the firing of that prosecutor because they were all involved in what happened with the regi regime change in 2014. I'm going to play this real quick and then get your comments, Speaker. I know you wanted to say something. Just one sec. I will tell you, because as Secretary of State, I was deeply involved in this. All of us in the administration were trying to get rid of that prosecutor. From Obama to the Secretary of State to the Vice President, all of us were working on that. The ambassador and and we knew if Ukraine was going to survive and win the revolution in the end, the Maidan, they had to get rid of that prosecutor, and they did. See, we've got to take a bird's eye view of this whole situation. And this is what a lot of people are not doing. Right? It's become like taboo to say anything about Ukraine at the moment if, if it isn't something positive. And this as you know, reporters, as journal, independent journalists, of what we do, we have to look at this from both sides and a, and a bird's eye view of the situation. Now, you have to look at why Putin's made these moves or make assumptions of why he's done this. Uh, is it right what he's done? No, it, it isn't. So st stating information is not in support. I think that's an important thing to establish here. Because a, lot, a lot of people, especially in the media, have forgotten that. Um, right. It, it's, it's that same old tactic of if you criticize me, then you're a racist, a bigot, a xenophobe. Mm -hmm. Now, here is it if you criticize what's going on in Ukraine at all then you're uh, pro-Russia, pro-Putin, which I'm not. I don't, I do not care for Putin or Russia at all. Um, I simply question the people behind uh, the push towards war against Russia over Ukraine and their own motives. I mean, as we just mentioned, you know, here's Poroshenko, the president that was installed under the Obama administration. He was just recently um, awaiting trial for treason. And now conveniently, as this war is broken out, he's being touted as some kind of hero going on CNN and as a freedom fighter. I know, right? <laughs> and like we were saying before uh, we recorded this, that, you know, a lot of people have not looked into this further. So they look at this. I look at the former president standing with Ukraine. It's very surface level how, how they look at these things. Um, we know um, how corrupt, uh, the amount of corruption that was going on in Ukraine. And we know the amount of corruption that's going on in Russia as well. It's not, um, it's just not one way. But you do have to look at the bird's eye view of what is going on here and why this has come 
because this is a, a big push in our history. Uh, the sanctions that have been put on Russia from cultural sanctions, from things like the Formula One getting taken away from them, Russia not being allowed in video games. Um, Russia has been a big bad enemy of the world for a long time, even when they weren't. And that's the truth. Even in early 2000s, you know, uh, uh, Putin done his own things to get installed, but he, he wasn't as aggressive as he is now. And the reason why this has happened is because the two different ideologies going on here. All right. You have the neoliberal West. The globalists. The globalists. And that's what we're going on here. Uh, Putin, who is. He's a nationalist. He's, he's a nationalist. He, 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 he is everything pro-Russia. He has nothing to do with the New World Order, which I agree with. However, I am not pro-Russia. Uh, he's just simply doing whatever he can to preserve his own regime, however evil it may be. So it really, the way I see it is, is this these two ideologies as globalists versus nationalists and you can talk about how evil the nationalists of russia or china are but they they're not you know um they are completely opposed to this one you know kumbaya globalist utopian um vision that the globalists have oh they don't believe in it and that is exactly why putin's making his move on ukraine now before it gets absorbed uh, by the EU and by NATO. Um, so when you look at it from that point of view, this shouldn't be surprising. Um, he has gone for broke here, but it's not like he's alone in this. Uh, don't tell me Xi Jinping did not have any idea what was going on. Of course he had. Um, this is not something that you plan in a week. An attack like this, a sovereign nation uh people like to throw out the madness of putin how um how mad he is i don't think that's the case i, I don't i don't think he's mad in the common sense uh, i do think he's very machiavellian and i do think he's very cold and calculating and i think he's factored in that these sanctions were going to get pushed and this may be the conspiracy theorist in me um but I think he, he he might have predicted that they would have cut him off from the West and cut right. Russia off. Um, and I, I, I don't know if he, he, he actually likes that um, in, in, in a sense that we know their stand on things. Um, old school Russians, because I, like I was telling you before, I have a friend that lives in Russia and has been feeding me information from Moscow and telling me how things are there. And it's a little bit different than what you're seeing on the news, obviously. Um, he said, despite what you are seeing, the protests are quite small compared to, and, and this is anti-war protests. Uh, he says, you know, compared to what you're seeing on the news, you know, like I, he knows it makes good TV, but You'd be surprised how many Russians still stand with Putin on this. Wow, um, that's interesting. And, and still, uh, because, well, you got to see what Putin's done here as well. I mean, for the 22 years that he's been in power, he has uh, painted this picture of the West that, you know, they're anti-Russian, right. they want to destroy our sovereignty, they want to do that, and, you know, he's there to protect the motherland is there to protect mother russia now that into your head along enough you know you 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 will back the great leader who is saving your country and your people right so that's how a lot of them are looking at it and sadly. how a lot of them believe it yeah sadly yeah but, but it's um, all the same players. It's all the same players then as it is now that are driving this and pushing this for their own reasons, this war over Ukraine. And they're garnering, garnering support from the people, from the UN, from NATO, from the EU. And in the end, it's actually the people of the Ukraine, of Russia, 
and the people around the world who are going to suffer as a you know as these elites um, who are in power are going to continue to profit and maintain and consolidate the power. Well, of course, I mean Russian is in an economic downfall at the moment. Uh, when it comes from the ruble is is at a record low, as it would be, as you could would expect with the amount of things that they're putting on them. But like I said before, I I think Putin's factored this in. Um, and going back to some of the things that my friends said, um, the way he described it to me is like he, he was pretty chill about the whole situation, which was surprising to me. But um, he said, oh, yeah, we've taken most of our money out. We bought property with it because property holds its value more than, you know, of course, the rule was going to drop. So we, we put our money in property. We just let that sit there. Um, he, he said it has become a bit of a nuisance, you know, just getting money and, you know, they're going to have to deal with hardship for a little bit for a while. The shop's going to be a little bit dry. And he also said by finishing off, though, he's like, but we're used to this. We've been under sanctions for seven years been under sanctions for seven years uh, they're used to it i think the people that it is going to hurt the most um are the russians that have become accustomed with western lifestyle i mean uh, the girls that have only fans accounts the twitch streamers uh those that have really merged in with this uh a, a globalist sort of stance and western ideologies they're, they're the ones that are getting hit really hard on the financial because they are cutting certain things off. They're cutting them out of um, uh, OnlyFans is a big one because there's a lot of Russian girls that are using that. Um, and I think Putin's okay with that. I think he doesn't mind that at all. Well, I think uh, speaking of the the sanctions, I watched this clip here by Glenn Beck and I thought he kind of put it up pretty succinctly. Um, what's really going on with the sanctions? I mean, we have we now have a major manufactured crisis that they do not want to go to waste, and they've gotten the support of the entire West and a global public and private partnership to sanction Russia, which the world is cheering on. But what the people don't realize is that it's about so much more than Ukraine. It's about the Great Reset and the globalists versus these nationalists. And in the end, it's going to be the people who are going to lose if they go along with it. I got a four minute clip here or three and a half minutes, something like that. So I'm going to play it. Hold on. I'm not saying we plotted this or it was a plan to have him but it is a crisis now, a major crisis that you don't want to go to waste. So now he's in. I've never seen sanctions like this ever before. Total and complete, except for that little leaky oil problem. It does seem, though, that these are the harshest sanctions I've ever, ever seen on a country. I've ever seen. And, and it's because of the private businesses mm-hmm being in step with the global governments. Mm -hmm. That's never happened before. They can tell you, but there's always workarounds because they're global companies, okay? So now it's completely shut off. If this works, why will these sanctions be the first sanctions to work? Because both sides are, are participating in unison. Right. They're public to- and private, private partnerships, mm-hmm. global, not America, not led by Biden, but led by the world, led by the entire West. So we all have to work together again. We are watching the formation. What Ukraine is, is 15 days to flatten the curve. That's what Ukraine is. COVID was real. How it got out, I don't know. Not important, but it was real. It's not a conspiracy. It was real. What did they do? Took advantage. They took advantage. And all of us cheered it on. We were like, yeah, that's right. We should stay in our house. for, fi-. But we let the government 
do all of these things. We let them because it was an emergency. Yeah, you you should do those things. You should have those powers. And you're never going to get them back. Ukraine is 15 days to flatten a curve. What happens on the other side, I don't think we ever go back. And they make the case. Only the Great Reset. Only this public-private global partnership is is going to work from here on out. Look at what we've accomplished without any bullets. That's fascism. That's what's happening here. And we're going to wake up after this is all said and done. We'll be like, oh, this was great. And then we'll realize, oh, no, just like Canada, they enacted the Great Reset. And the left thinks that's wonderful. Uh, you know, just to get rid of these very violent terrorist truckers. That, that's, that's what the Great Reset is. That. This is a positive attribute of the Great Reset. But know that it is the Great Reset. This isn't the usual system. This is not. This is something brand new that they are doing to Putin. Now let's see if it works. My guess is it will and we'll all celebrate. Warning. I think he put it into words in a way that I've been struggling to try to put into words. Um, I understand the need for Ukraine to be sovereign. I just see the bigger picture of how this is going to be usurped by the Great Reset Globalists. Don't you? Hmm. No, uh, uh, 100%. Never let a good crisis go to waste, Edge. That's where we are now. Exactly, exactly. And so how is this going to affect us? Um, you know, it's definitely going to affect us economically. W- one thing I wanted to note real quick, because he talked about the um, what happened in Canada and how that really is, you know, a picture of the Great Reset. You know, if you go against the regime then they'll shut down your bank accounts and, you know, do everything possible to um, basically put their their boot on your neck, right? And so here we have Christia Freeland. Hold on, I'll try to cue this up. But Christia Freeland was marching with um, protesters in Canada this week uh, for Ukraine. So just just FYI, you know, Christia Freeland can protest for the freedom of Ukraine, but Canadians, nah, they can't protest for their own freedom in their own country, can they? Unbelievable. So it really just shows you um, who's who's driving this. It's the globalists who are pushing towards this um, war against Russia over Ukraine. And uh, these people weren't willing to stand up for their own countries, or if they did, they were uh, put down by the regime. And, uh, but it's okay to protest for Ukraine. The hypocrisy, it's just, uh, it's maddening. But the... And also some of the censorship that has come with it. I know on a QA the other night I was listening to the radio, you know, a lot of people asking to censor uh, Russian media, censor RT, censor Sputnik. Uh, that's the worst thing you can do. I want to see both sides. I'm not a child. Yeah, I know there is bullshit going on both ends. <laughs> right? There is propaganda on both ends. And I would like to disseminate that for myself. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Um, So we need to talk about the economic impact because this is definitely going to affect us economically, um, whatever happens. And it already is. Um, The Fed came out, the Fed chair came out this week, and he's already talking about and admitting that, you know, the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency is in question. Um, And so... That to me was stunning, stunning for him to say that. Um, so definitely, I think that that 
on on top of the Biden regime's failed domestic policies economically, um, the you add the entire thing with Russia and Ukraine on top of that, we're definitely going to see some economic impacts. And it's perfect timing for them, right? It's like a cover and, and, and a, they can now blame shift Russia for their failures, right? As though this all just started, but it's been going on for, they've been wrecking the economy since COVID began. Um, so, but yeah, I just thought that was really stunning that the Fed chair came out and said that the potential to have more than one reserve currency in the world is there. Uh, which was just a shocking statement. But he also said um, that war underscores the need for crypto regulation, which is really interesting because we know that they've been going after crypto for a while now. Um, and this is all so they can have their digital ID, right? And their um, central bank digital currency, but yeah, now Russia is a perfect cover for them to be able to go after crypto because of uh, Russian oligarchs who may stash their money away in crypto, right? Oh, of course, right. Yeah, so... Russian, um, Russian and Chinese. Let's not forget China's uh, part in this. But we're, we're really seeing a drawing of a, a, a new axis here getting split apart because I, I, I don't think uh, Russia can go back from this in any way. Um, I think it's gone too far. And I think alliances have been made and will be made and there will be a segregation of the blocks, I guess you can say. That is my prediction of it. Yeah, and I think it's going to affect everyone um, from gas prices to fertilizer. I mean, we know gas prices were high before under Biden, but they're going to continue to go up with the economic war against Russia. So we need to prepare for that. Um, fertilizer prices are going to go up and, you know, that due to the economic warfare against Russia, which will definitely be tacked on to the cost of crops. And that's just going to equate to higher prices for our groceries, which we were already seeing under the Biden regime. See how it's a now we can blame it on Russia. Yeah. Blame shift. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but this is the reality, I think, of what we're going to be dealing with as far as the economic warfare. And so uh, Robert, Dr. Robert Malone put out a, a sub stack recently. And whether you take a side for, you know, pro-Ukraine and supporting Ukraine or not, he's really not trying to go there with that. He's just simply saying, look, this is going to affect us all in economic ways. And he came up with a pretty good preparedness list that I thought we could go through because instead of just talking all gloom and doom, let's talk about ways that we can prepare, ways that we can protect ourselves, because as you had mentioned kind of in the beginning of the show, is that nobody's going to save us. It's up to the people to save ourselves. So, um, you know, he just wrote, the thing to be aware of, broad global trends, and to use your own judgment. Do not rely on the legacy media to tell you what to think or how to respond. They're not your friends. And if we have learned one thing from the past two years, it is that the legacy media cannot be trusted to tell the truth. They will spin everything in whatever way the government or the World Economic Forum wants them to say. We do not want to say to sound like alarmists and are not predicting the end times, but we suggest that it would be good for you at home or your farm to take some time to invest in resources to prepare in case things turn for the worst. So this was just a kind of a common sense preparedness list that I thought maybe we could go through. I mean, number one, keep your cars close to filled with gas and diesel. Fuel prices are definitely going to go up, don't you think? That's the first thing I did even before. Yeah. Russia invaded Ukraine. Two days before, I, I smelt it. I was like, I, something's happening here. I need to go get some stuff. And it was amazingly quick how, how quickly fuel just uh, kind of dried up. Everyone, a lot of people had the same idea as me. Yeah. And they were empty in no time. And mm -hmm. they're still struggling. 
Yep. And if you have a generator, keep that full as well of fuel and make sure that it's working in good working condition. Um, now's the time to spend your money wisely. Despite the inflation, having savings in some liquid form or some form of liquid assets provides securities, provides security like gold, cash. Um, basically, he said that our friends that are finance specialists and advising us that a major economic disruption is likely. And then in those situations, cash is king. So definitely have some cash on hand. I think that's a smart play. Um, gold, silver as well. What do you think? Yeah, 100%. I mean, gold, gold and silver are two big ones. I think a lot of people have um, been going down that path for a few years now, me being one of them. Yeah, um, supply chain disruptions. That's probably a likelihood. Um, be prepared for that. Um I, I think that, you know, being, you know, if you're a prepper, take time to reevaluate and restock, uh, making sure that you have, you know, all the basics well stocked. I think that's a smart move. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, taking care of yourself, um, making sure that you're healthy. I think that's definitely something that we all need to be doing and on a continual basis. Um, and it's going to benefit us in the times ahead. Um, keeping prescriptions and medications, um, you know, fully stocked as well, because, you know, again, supply chain disruptions, these are all smart plan, you know, planning preparedness ideas, um, just so that we're not victims, regardless of what these regimes impose on us we don't become victims. We're actually um, taking control of our own lives and our own futures. I think that's a great way to put it. Know that. Yeah. And, you know, be flexible. Community, keep an eye on how you can help your neighbors, your friends, particularly those who are elderly, frail, and isolated. I mean, these are all just common sense um, ideas on how to prepare for any kind of uh, emergency, whether it's a manufactured crisis or not, um, just common sense approaches on how we do not fall victim to whatever these evil regimes have in store for us. And we can actually not just survive, but thrive throughout it. I think it's kind of a smart play, but, um, I thought maybe we should just move on and talk about the State of the Union, State of the mm-hmm. Union address. Um, we spent about 45 minutes on that, so we knew that was going to take some time. Yeah. Um, so the State of the Union address was pretty interesting. Um, <laughs> I'm glad I clipped this when I did. I think I was like the first one to get this out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the State of the Union was really more like the State of Ukraine, not the U.S., which was, you know, ridiculous. But um, the to- it was clearly just the speech was nothing more than talking points that pulled well for them ahead of a 2022 election. Uh, they have no intention of fulfilling any of the promises. They know that you know, everything they said in this was a lie from funding the police instead of defunding the police, bragging about job gains, which there was a total lie. You know, even the lifting of mask mandates in the House just prior to the State of the Union proves it was all just a show. And what a show it was, because, I mean, we did get some funny memes out of it, at least. Right. So I'm going to at least play I'm going to play this one. Oh, God. King. Putin may circle Kyiv with tanks, but he'll never gain the hearts and souls of the Iranian people. The Iranian? He'll never. King. God. <laughs> Unbelievable. <clears throat> well, actually believable, because it's Biden, of course. There's definitely some funny... Uh, clips 
and memes that came out of this. I mean, what was going on with Pelosi the entire time? She's drunk. Yeah, I mean, she looked absolutely trashed in this. Here she is just giddy and doing some weird little shimmy while they're talking about toxic smoke from burn pits that soldiers are breathing in just bizarre and uh yeah here she is stumbling um at one point so the woman was just clearly tanked yeah i mean it was just an absolute shit show i have no other (laughs) words for this other than (laughs) it really did, did exemplify the the state of our union right now but um, really nothing more to spend on the, the uh, State of the Union address because it was just absurd. But I thought that um, Marjorie Taylor Greene's response was just fire. Um, and I hope that plenty of you got a chance to catch it. I clipped, you know, like a four minute segment of it, which is just she is just going after Biden and Hunter and all of the corruption in it. So I think it's worth listening to. It's about a four and a half minute clip. Hold on one sec. America is being invaded at our wide open border at the invitation of Joe Biden. And every single threat is coming across from terrorists to child trafficking to deadly poisonous fentanyl sent to America courtesy of the CCP and the Mexican cartels. Joe Biden is recklessly endangering every single American's life but his most egregious action is flying illegal aliens in the dark of night across America, maybe to a suburb near you, and you're paying for it. And while we have been under extreme COVID tyranny for two years now, the leading cause of death in young people ages 18 to 45 is fentanyl poisoning, not COVID-19. One thing is for sure, Joe Biden is a great business partner to the Mexican cartels. And while the media is feeding you blood, violence, and war 24-7 on every single TV, social media, and news app, owning the deadly Russian invasion of Ukraine, America is still reeling from Joe Biden's unforgivable failure in Afghanistan. Only six months ago, Biden abandoned Americans in Afghanistan, armed the Taliban Islamic terrorists, and unnecessarily cost the lives of 13 American soldiers. These families have not even finished mourning for their sons and daughter. He needlessly lost the lives of 13 American soldiers and now has sent thousands of American troops over to Eastern Europe to defend another country's border. And now the war hawks, globalist elites, and neocons are beating the drums of war, preparing to sacrifice more of our sons and daughters to defend another nation's border, but not our own. Under President Trump, this would have never happened. For four years, our country had a real leader that led America and the entire world to peace through strength. But now we have a mentally incompetent, feckless, dementia-ridden piece of crap to quote Kathy McCollum, who is still grieving the loss of her heroic son, Riley McCollum, one of the 13 killed in our chaotic withdrawal from Afghanistan. The President of the United States is totally compromised because every world leader has contents of Hunter Biden's laptop and much more to blackmail him. So it's no wonder America is weak. We do not have a president that can defend our country. We have a president that puts America last because he is literally serving China, Russia, and the world. He is a globalist. He's for the global economy. He is for the World Economic Forum, for the interest of China and for the interest of Russia and for anyone anywhere that has blackmail evidence on his sexually deviant, drug-addled, deadbeat dad, pathetic, sorry, embarrassing excuse of a son. Joe Biden has already broken his oath of office because all he cares about is protecting Hunter Biden and he will not protect any of us. This is why I have introduced four articles of impeachment on Joe Biden. Now the Democrats are trying to claim victory, saying they have beaten COVID. Just to try and win the midterm elections, but Americans all across the country will never forget the forced masking of our children, 
which is child abuse, and the unconstitutional vaccine mandates and all of the other horrible policies of the COVID tyrants. Through the unholy union of the government and corporations, for the first time, Americans have suffered under corporate communism. Vaccines were forced on employees through their employer. Though the demands of the Democrats, that's what they had to do. They were forced to take an experimental vaccine just to pay the bills and put food on the table, something that should never happen in America. At the same time, the experts, experts like Dr. Fauci and the CDC refused to investigate the reported vaccine injuries and deaths on the VAERS system, or to even answer questions about why the NIH was funding gain-of-function research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. But I just thought her comments were spot on. I mean, after you listen to, you know, an hour and a half of State of the Union lies, then you listen to this and it's like, ah, finally some truth. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, let's move on to the People's Convoy because I wanted to give you some some good news, some, um, you know, positive stuff. Got to balance that out with the, uh, all the negative surrounding us right now. So uh, Wednesday night, the People's Convoy uh, held this rally in Monrovia, Indiana, where thousands showed up. And they used this stop as a meeting place for other convoys from around the country to join them. And they said that the rally was a huge success and they've grown in numbers. So um, good on them for that. It was definitely fun to watch some clips from that event, that rally. They raised this gigantic flag, fireworks, honking, everything. It was glorious. But um, so the People's Convoy, it looks like they've raised, uh, let's see here. Ooh, looks like they've raised almost 1.6 million at this point. Um, their next destination is, uh, let's see here, uh, is Lore City, Ohio. And then they're on, they should be um, in D the D.C. area by Saturday the 5th. So um, just praying for these folks that they, um, that their trip is a, a safe one and, you know, they have, lots of success with this, um, that they have tra safe travels, sa great success, but it's going to be very telling. Um, now, and how we see, you know, what, what the Biden regime, how they handle this uh, when they arrive in DC. Will the Biden regime play the dictator card in the same way that tr the Trudeau regime has? I think so, but time's gonna tell. It'll be interesting to say. Yeah, it will be. I'm just praying for these folks that they um, that all goes well for them. Um, but meanwhile, uh, in New Zealand, um, they, these people were inspired by the Canadian truckers. Hundreds of protesters have been camped outside of New Zealand Parliament for weeks in protest of the tyrannical COVID mandates and Jacinda Ardern is clearly losing control. So she went full Trudeau on these people and sent her stormtroopers to put their boots on the necks of the people. And uh, it's been pretty heartbreaking to see what's been going on over there as well. And um, in New Zealand with the police response and much the same way, you know, we saw with Canada, with Paris, with Australia. Yeah, a lot of um, footage of uh, just acts of violence by the police against these protesters um, because Jacinda Ardern's really losing control here and she's got to clamp down. It's a shame. It is. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, in France, the COVID vaccine passport rules are going to be lifted on March 14th. This was just announced. So this comes after weeks and weeks. I mean, I think we're over 20 weeks or something uh, of protests 
you know, by the people over these tyrannical COVID mandates. And we saw when the uh, protesters were inspired by the Freedom Convoy in Canada, they initiated their own Freedom Convoy in uh, France, and we saw the acts of violence by the police against those people. And, uh, and so it's just really interesting now, suddenly, um, France is deciding to lift these COVID vax pass rules on March 15th, but oh, oh wait, yeah, okay. Now it makes sense because this is just one month prior to the French 2022 presidential election, which is set for April 10th and April 24th, right? So it just shows you exactly what these people are up to. They have no intention of listening to the people of it's just always about maintaining power Isn't it? right so just we need to be aware of even when they lift these mandates these ridiculous mandates never forget who imposed them and we've got to get these people out but i guess the other you know story is how is this this meme right here? It just perfectly exemplifies it from the uh-huh. from all of the media coverage to the State of the Union to the lifting of these mandates just prior to election. It just shows you that COVID was all a show, and now it's time for COVID COVID to exit. And here we go with our next crisis, right? Oh, COVID say twenty twenty one. Hmm. Oh, I guess that's pretty much it. That wraps it up for today. Oh, well. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us today on Dig It with the Speaker, myself, the Sharp Edge, and usually Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. She'll be back soon. And please be sure to share this podcast. We're on BitChute, Foxhole, Gab TV, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, Pilled, Rumble, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and YouTube. And we'll see you back next time right here on Dig It.